0: Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie.
1: And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure.
0: Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go... We'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures.
1: This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast, where today we're going to talk about something people sometimes think about before heading out on an extended vacation. Yes, people. Today, we're going to talk about wills and living trusts with an added spin. For the last two years, I've been living through a nightmare of sorts as an executor of a living trust. And as a result, we have some thoughts and tips to share that may save you or your loved ones some heartache in the future. It's an important topic for sure. In this episode, we're going to discuss the importance of preparing a living trust or a will before you go on vacation, We're going to discuss why it's important, a few tips on getting started, many things to avoid, and more. Today's discussion could apply to you. You might hear information that you'll want to share with friends or family, and especially if you or anybody you know has loved ones they're considering to name in a will or trust who are not citizens of your country. We have stories to tell you. One disclaimer before we begin, we are not lawyers, we are not legal experts, but we do have experiences related to this topic and have gained some learning moments that you may not hear about elsewhere. If you want to explore wills and living trusts in detail, find an attorney to work with to navigate the details with legal guidance. And before we begin, If you want to receive our weekly travel tips and news, visit the link in the show notes to subscribe. It's 100% free. We bring you weekly travel information to inspire your wanderlust, plus travel tips to save you time, money, and stress. And with that, let's get started.
0: Well, why should we have a will or a trust before leaving for vacation? Leaving for vacation is very exciting But ensuring that you'll have all your affairs in order before you go is important. Having a will or trust in place can provide peace of mind and ensure that your wishes are followed if something unexpected happens while you're away. Have we followed our own advice? No.
1: It took us a while to get ours put together. We talked about it quite
0: a bit. And uh, did we procrastinate? Absolutely. Did we ultimately prepare a living trust? Yes, we did. Yeah.
1: I think we didn't do ours until our kids were teenagers, huh?
0: Well, maybe they were minors still. Yeah. But they were pretty close. They were minors, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: But we probably waited too long.
0: We waited way too
1: long. Don't wait as long as we did. No.
0: So you're headed out for vacation and you decided you're going to go on that hot air balloon adventure or you're going to do skydiving because it's such a thrill and you've always wanted to do it, or you're going to climb up Mount Everest, or you're just going out and venturing in places that are unknown to you, you probably want to create a will or a living trust before you leave. Having a will or trust before leaving for a vacation can give you peace of mind that your loved ones are cared for per your wishes if something happens while you're away. It can also assure the fulfillment of your desires related to your estate. No one likes to think about the worst case scenario, that's for sure. And we didn't either. I think that's one of the reasons it took us so long to do what we did. Yep. But having a will or trust in place before leaving for a vacation can give you this sense of peace and it helps protect those that are closest to you.
1: Now, we're not here to get into the details of what's included specifically in wills and trusts, their detailed benefits, the tax implications, or even how to create a living trust. But we are here to talk about some critical learning moments that we've experienced in the last two years. Yes, we've seen some mistakes, some huge mistakes. And by sharing them with you, we hope that it may help someone you know, perhaps yourself avoid a lot of stress related to this topic.
0: So before you leave for your vacation, if you have a will or a trust, especially if you are going away on a vacation that requires planes, trains, or automobiles, you'll want to inform someone that you have this legal document in place and where to access it in case of an emergency.
1: Yes, maybe, maybe. Julie, maybe yes. you should inform the person that is named as an executor of the trust that you've assigned them this responsibility in a legal document.
0: Yes, there was there was quite a shock. Just maybe,
1: don't you yeah, think? Yeah, just quite nice. a
0: shock to you.
1: Yeah, so here, here's my story. Two years ago, I get a call that my godmom, who I think at the time was early 80s, late 70s, late 70s, say, I think, late yeah. 70s, yeah had taken a health turn for the worst. We didn't realize it was as bad as it was. She had cancer. And my mom and her were lifelong friends. They both immigrated to the United States from Poland about just within the year before I was born. I've known her all my life. But my mom had wanted to see her when she found out her condition My godmom lived, I don't know, about an hour away from where we are in Torrance, California. We drove my mom over there, and, you know, when we walked in the house, I mean, it it felt kind of clear to me that we were looking at end-of-life scenario. So in the course of visiting at what would become the final moments— one of the individuals who was also at the house, another lifelong friend, had learned, I think just very recently, that in my godmom's living trust, I was named executor. I was not informed of this until what turned out to be 24 hours before my godmom passed. And needless to say, that was... I mean, the whole thing was shocking. Mm -hmm. You know, walking into the scenario you know, not realizing we were dealing with, uh, you know, just, you know, 24 hours left of life. This responsibility that got thrown in my lap happened and that ensued a whole bunch of things that we're going to, you know, get into this experience of dealing with a trust that, um, I've again, I've been dealing with.
0: With that said, one of the things that we have, kind of compiled in our own minds of what could have made this scenario much better for all those involved was to actually have told you that you were executor. That would have been a great thing. We had no access to her house. We didn't know where keys were. We didn't know what the valuables were in the house. We didn't know if there was a safe somewhere in the house. We didn't even have any kind of any kind of instruction if there was a safe in the house. We didn't know where any legal documents were. We didn't have any lists of any of her financial accounts, etc., etc., etc. The pieces that we had to pick up along the way were just, oh my gosh, how, how are we going to make this happen? Or how are we going to make this happen? Or what, how is this going to look? And we had a, you mentioned the very, very close friends that you grew up with also in that area, who had been involved in her life, in your godmother's life, because they lived in close proximity. And they had actually tried To get some of this information out of your godmother, but she was, she knew she was dying and she refused to answer any questions. So it was just a worst case scenario all around.
1: Yeah. So it kind of put us in the position of obviously, you know, going through whatever we could find in the house to try to assemble what would become the puzzle pieces that would be necessary to ultimately work through the trust. And um, we might get into more of this later. I'm not sure I have it in my notes or not. But I think partly because my godmom, you know, was from another culture, she was from another time, part of that experience was that, you know, she kept everything in what I'm going to call an old school scenario. So there was like paper copies of everything, which was immensely helpful because we were able to find written documents bank statements, financial statements, etc. if except I don't accept the trust. Accept the trust initially. The trust. Yeah. yeah. But just in case I I don't have this in our notes for later, I think very often about the world that we live in today where so much of this type of information is kept by people electronically and in many cases we're the only ones who have the usernames, the passwords to get into accounts and i just think about, you know, into the future as, you know, people pass away is, you know, is the the course of human life, if be it executors, family members don't have a way to get to these digital assets, that's a nightmare. Mm, so, it's something to think about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it, it turned out in this particular trust there was one single beneficiary who happened to be a resident of another country. And so in this case of working with a beneficiary, it's a topic that you're going to want to get some guidance from your trust attorney. There can be some debate about whom you tell and what you tell before, you know, you're passing, a family member's passing, et cetera. But in any event... There are things that you could help guide, especially for an individual named in a trust who is not a citizen of your country, and that's what happened in our case. My godmom became a citizen of the United States ultimately, but decided that she was going to leave everything to a niece who resided in Poland.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, when discussing with an attorney who your beneficiary or multiple beneficiaries, would be you want to consider, if you're going to name someone, how it may affect siblings, parents, other family members within the family. And we say that because there will be tensions caused ultimately by siblings that were not named and are angry about that situation. So you're putting the beneficiary in a situation where they could have family members where their relationships cannot be repaired because of this conflict. Are you okay with that? These are things that you, you need to think about when you think about where your estate and or possessions will go. Do you think that beneficiary can live with those ramifications?
1: And that's what happened in this case. Mm -hmm. So again, my godmom's estate was left to a niece, but that niece had several siblings. And when they learned that everything was left to their sister and they were excluded, you can imagine what happened. And it was kind of like one of those, you know, all hell broke loose in terms of the relationship of these people. And, you know, it was unfortunate. It does happen in these situations, you know, when wills and trusts are settled and people feel that there's an unfairness in how things were left by the person who was deceased. So something to think about. Now, I'm going to talk about language implications. And this is really what to a large degree, was the impetus of my situation taking so long and being so difficult. And that is that the beneficiary was a foreign resident. And it isn't as simple as you know presenting a death certificate and expecting that financial institutions are going to move the money to a beneficiary no matter where they are. It just doesn't work like that. There's lots of forms to fill out Lots and lots and lots of forms. And if your beneficiary doesn't read or write your language, which was the case in my situation, that's an enormous problem. We ultimately found a trust lawyer in San Francisco who spoke Polish, and that helped to provide me some assistance and some peace of mind in working through this whole scenario I spent a lot of time in Google Translate trying to help said beneficiary, and even though it wasn't my responsibility, and I'll get into that, I did it because it was the right thing to do. And luckily, because I have a working knowledge of Polish, it's a language I understand. My writing and speaking is limited, but I do understand it, and my mom is still with us, and she helped a lot as a translator, so that came in handy. But we had a situation where the beneficiary herself couldn't work through any of the legal forms without assistance because, again, she didn't speak English, doesn't read English, doesn't write English. And if you're naming a beneficiary who doesn't speak your language, select an executor who can work through the language barriers.
0: Another issue we ran into was... The said name beneficiary didn't have a computer, nor was even computer savvy. In our case, she had no smartphone, she had no internet, she had nothing. Yes, these people are out there, especially in other countries. Don't expect people to live and do things the same in other parts of the world just because that's what we do. Don't take that for granted. We could have saved months and months of work had the beneficiary, in our case, had access to modern technology. This is a minor point, but it did delay and cause months and months of delays. Sending the FedEx documentation, it takes time. It costs a lot of money. Every FedEx mailing cost to Poland was close to $150. Yep. So it got a little pricey.
1: Yeah, so there was a lot of things that, as you said, you know, because there was no computer access, I had to you know, get documents copied, FedExed at great expense, whereas if there was a computer, you know, I could have sent them electronically just like that without that type of fee involved. So um, you know, just you know, one example of, of many that we're you know, covering today. So one thing that we also want to talk about, and, and this applies to just about any trust situation, and it's a mistake that I've seen people that I know make, and that even if you're not dealing with foreign beneficiaries, but it's failing to list financial assets in your living trust can have serious consequences. Without the proper documentation, there may be assets that cannot pass easily to intended beneficiaries and otherwise can go through probate. This can cause delays. It can cause additional expenses for the estate. Additionally, if you fail to add assets to your trust in the right way, they may not be protected from creditors or other legal claims. If you expect your executor to handle everything, but don't legally assign assets into your living trust, that person is going to have their hands tied. So in this example, I think my godmom made the mistake that she assumed that because she had a trust that all of her financial assets were magically covered under the trust and it doesn't work that way. Financial assets have to be named in the trust and if that doesn't happen, they're not part of the trust. So I had a situation where my godmom's house was named in the trust. And oh, so goodness. I yeah, so I was able to sell that asset, distribute those assets to the beneficiary, but other than one bank account, every other investment that my godmom had did not name the trust. And so as I was trying to help this beneficiary who didn't, you know, doesn't speak English, any time I contacted one of these investment firms, be it Charles Schwab, be it Connecta, be it, there was multiple companies, nobody would talk to me because I had no legal authority. I was the executor of the trust, but these assets did not name the trust.
0: And when you say these assets need to be named in the trust, you're not talking about just taking the name of the bank and writing it down as an asset. Correct. There there There's procedures in the bank and or financial institute that you must follow in order for your account to be under the name of the trust itself.
1: Yeah. So like when I think about the accounts that we have, let's say I have something with Vanguard, there's a couple of ways to go in about this. And again, your, your trust attorney can guide you, but it could either be that the account itself, instead of being in your name, is in the name of your trust, or, and this is kind of more common to what we have, It's named in our name, but the beneficiary is the trust. Ultimately, the trust has to be somewhere in the financial firm's records. If it's not, as far as they're concerned, the trust has nothing to do with it, and your executor is going to be completely locked out 100%. So that's a big mistake I've seen people make, and that is assuming all your possessions are part of the trust just because... You've created a living trust, and that's simply just not true. Again, like Julie, just like you said, if you don't designate assets as part of the trust in those financial institutions themselves, they're not in your trust, and your executor is going to have his or her hands tied. So let's discuss a United States situation and passing assets to non citizens. We ran into a situation where, as an example, an inherited IRA could not pass directly to the beneficiary. First, a tax identification called an ITIN, I-T-I-N, became necessary to obtain. So if you have a foreign beneficiary, setting this tax ID up in advance is going to be immensely helpful to everyone involved. It's something that could save months or well over a year of helping a foreign beneficiary obtain assets named for them to inherit.
0: Yes, you can imagine that obtaining this beneficiary's ITIN number who resides in a foreign country must be applied through the United States government. So just think about how long it takes them to do anything.
1: And we found that getting this is not any piece of cake. We did help this beneficiary compile the paperwork initially to apply for the tax ID through the IRS. And weeks after submitting the forms, we learned the IRS denied the application because something wasn't to their liking on the application. What that was, they wouldn't say. So back to step one on the ITIN. You know, after uh, that frustration, I found a firm in Southern California that specializes in obtaining this kind of ID for foreign residents. And while it costs some money, this is their area of expertise. And within a few months, finally had that in place. And we were able to set up the beneficiary to fill out more applications to get monetary funds designated for her in this case. And there were several other IRS related forms and documents that came into play. Uh, It gets more complicated once you introduce a foreign resident as a beneficiary to an estate. And speaking of the IRS, they sure don't make it easy to figure out tax implications for foreign recipients. Some countries have tax treaties with the United States, and there's ways to ask that such treaties come into play to lower tax implications for the beneficiaries, but good luck navigating that part of the documentation because it's another example where the IRS just doesn't make things easy. I don't think they have a customer experience department. (laughs) So with a foreign beneficiary, you as an executor benefit from legal guidance and the beneficiary should have similar representation. And this was suggested in my case. But unfortunately, while we try to nudge this beneficiary to get legal assistance in her home country to help with all these processes for whatever reason she decided not to do that and that was another complication and caused delays delays delays
0: yes and and i just think it was a matter of she was already in her early 70s yeah and it was overwhelming for her yep not only did we make trips to the local notary many many times but there were many times financial firms needed documentation notarized by the beneficiary. In our case, this meant our beneficiary, who lived in the rural part of Poland, had to travel to the Polish embassy for specific types of authorizations. This happened multiple times. And after a few times, something wasn't quite right with an accompanying application, so the beneficiary needed a second trip To the Polish embassy. So it became quite difficult for her to navigate this process. Also, I do think she had the help from her son, which was, I don't know if she could have done it without him, honestly.
1: This would be an example where to the extent somebody could to kind of close your eyes and play the movie in your head about after passing, what is this experience going to look like for the people that you're leaving the responsibility to and the people who you want to inherit the estate. If you're able to get through your attorney, you know, guidance about what else is going to be involved, because it isn't just filling out that trust document. There's going to be other steps, many other steps that somebody's going to have to work through. And if you're able to plant some of those seeds along the way to help people out in advance, it's easier that your wishes are going to be fulfilled.
0: Another issue that we ran into is getting access to the house. We did live a distance away, and we did rely the person that was close to your godmother's home to access the house. This created a bit of an issue in terms of whenever you've got money or valuables in play— it kind of is too much of a temptation. So our mistake was not just grabbing the house keys and locking down the house and not letting anybody get access anymore so we could deal in our time what we needed to deal with as far as all the valuables in the house.
1: And making sure nobody else had house keys. Right, right. Right. Now, another complication that, you know, just extended this whole process for me by months and months. And I don't know if there's even, you know, a, a great remedy for something like this. But in settling a trust, ultimately, there's going to be like a trust accounting that has to be done, a final tax return for the trust, that that kind of stuff. And I guess as luck would have it or bad luck would have it. I always try to, when I'm looking for professionals, try to do some due diligence in trying to find an individual who has experience, who has good ratings. You know, in our world today with things like Yelp, there's reviews out there. And I was able to find a CPA locally who had great Yelp ratings, whose office had dealt with foreign beneficiaries. So I thought, you know, this is going to be great. They're going to make this easy. I can get through what should be like this almost final step done. Contacted them sometime back in probably mid to early 2022, just to kind of, you know, set things in motion. And by the time I was ready to start working with them on the final process, I was directed to another name and then everything just kind of (laughs) fell apart You know, I had initial discussions where, you know, provided, you know, copies of all the bank statements, all the financial statements. I mean, everything that I had trusted that this was going to be handled. And then, you know, at the initial meeting, I was told, you know, this shouldn't be too complicated. Might be seven days, might be 10 days. I'm thinking, fantastic, because I want to be done with this whole thing, because it's been, at at the time we're recording this, I'm I'm into two and a half years of this, actually. Mm -hmm. And then no contact. And I'd send an email, no response. I'd call the office, no call back. And long story short, this office that you know passed all those original tests of due diligence, the lady who owned the CPA office retired. The practice apparently got sold to somebody else who, I don't know what was wrong with her. She just didn't follow through anything. I'm still... She still never contacted me back since my discussions with her this last January and after running out of patience I ended up you know finding a new CPA probably about a month or so ago so I'm hopeful that they're going to be able to get me past the finish line but you know I mean it's just an example of what an executor of a trust has to go through you know you become reliant on professionals in the tax field and accounting field and the legal fields, and um, you do run into people who, for whatever reason, aren't up to par, it just slows everything down. Ultimately, I also was able to get the beneficiary to sign a power of attorney for me to help her directly with some firms. That helped somewhat. but um, you know, as you can probably tell by this conversation, there was just a lot of bumps in the road.
0: So, when you have bumps in the road and these kind of problems, think about when naming a foreign person as a beneficiary to a living trust that many issues can arise beyond the typical complications of settling an estate. The Internal Revenue Service may consider the trust a foreign trust, which can lead to increased income tax liabilities for the trustee and beneficiaries. Additionally, If the beneficiary resides in a foreign country, that country may be able to tax the property and accounts included in the trust. Various experts in the estate field say, it is generally unadvisable to name a non-US citizen as successor trustee for your trust due to the potential legal complications that can arise. Suppose you do name a foreign person as a beneficiary In that case, you'll benefit from working with an estate attorney aware of any laws or regulations related to foreign persons when drafting wills or trusts that include them as beneficiaries, and that would consist of specific laws of the beneficiary's country. For example, residents of Israel and the UK have different rules regarding estate planning documents than those of the US. Overall, Suppose you are considering naming a foreign person as a beneficiary of your living trust. In that case, you'll want to understand the potential risk involved and consult with an expert estate planning attorney before you make any decisions.
1: Yeah. And when I think about, you know, the composition of our demographics in the United States with so many immigrants, first generation, second generation, we got, you know, people coming into this country every day, This situation probably, you know, happens more than you might think, where, you know, somebody here may want to leave something back to family members in another country. And I think this angle that we've talked about with living trusts, it is, at least in my reading, this particular thing about foreign beneficiaries doesn't come up a lot. So, you know, we're hopeful that if you're in a situation where you or your family have an immigrant lineage and this might occur that the discussion is helpful you may know people friends people in the workplace who may have you know these kind of aspects to consider so you just like with many things in life as you know one group of people have experiences sometimes their stories and experience can help others avoid mistakes and challenges and that's what we're hopeful results from this story and with that that is our story about living trust and wills. Something, again, that some people think about before going on long vacations, before doing all those things, Julie, that you mentioned, jumping at, you know, skydiving, hot air balloon <sighs> rides, taking a long airplane. High
0: serotonin activities. Yes.
1: Even you know flying over across the pond, as they say, yes. and th- this particular story had a twist about foreign beneficiaries dealing with trust and wills can get complicated, and that 's why we have estate lawyers to help us navigate the landmines if avoidable you know and this is just coming from my experience here. I would say you know think twice before naming a foreign person as a beneficiary, or if that is what you want to do. Anything you can do to set things up in advance to make it easier to transfer your assets after you pass away will just, again, help make it more likely that your wishes are fulfilled the way you planned. Again, we are not estate lawyers. So if you can find one who has worked with clients who have had foreign beneficiaries, Such a person may be able to help you get more logistics in order beyond simply drawing up your trust documentation.
0: We really hope this podcast episode has helped provide you with some valuable considerations regarding your living trust, your family members, and your friends. If you have any additional tips for setting up wills and trusts, especially with travel considerations, drop us a line at comments at theplaceswherewego.com, and we'll share those with our audience.
1: If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite source for podcasts, and catch up on our future episodes. And we have an archive of somewhere around, Julie, what, 98, 99 episodes. Mm -hmm. We've been to national parks to countries across Europe to all kinds of places so all kinds of stories that we've shared to help inspire your future travel adventures so join us on our next episode as we bring you stories from our travel adventures thanks for joining us on this podcast and until next time happy travels and we hope to see you at the places where we go
0: bye-bye for now If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com.
1: You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube where our channel name is The Places Where We Go.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go.
1: See you next time.
0: Bye now.